Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. Thank you, my friends, for joining me once again on the Shema Podcast. You know, we've talked in the past about how the written Torah is the story of creation, and creation is still going on. It's a 6,000-year process, which means we are living in the Torah. The idea I want to share with you is to become familiar with your story, to see, to look into your past and see how Hashem has orchestrated events for you. Because when those ideas are clear in your mind, it allows you to see Hashem in your life in those moments that could be a little stressful if you weren't cognizant and had the right frame of mind to encounter those moments. With the right mindset, we can begin to adapt and learn and see how Hashem is orchestrating everything. So I want to share something with you that I shared with my daughter last Monday. And it was a very special day. As you know, my wife became Elisheva. She had her conversion about a year and a half ago. And my daughter, being very courageous and genuine, she wanted to take the path of her conversion on herself. She didn't want any interference from us. And she went into the mikvah last Monday and became Yona. And it was such an incredible day. And it was so last minute too, because it was like the day before the ninth of all when the rabbis called us up and said, we're ready. And they said, can you do this on Monday? And we said, all right, yeah, we'll make it happen. And we we're able to get together our friends for a dinner party that night afterwards to celebrate. And I want to share with you some ideas I shared with her. Because what I wanted to convey to her is how much our lives are intertwined. I'm not talking about the obvious parent-daughter. I'm talking about... The reason Hashem chose to make her my daughter and make me her father. Basically, what I told her was a lot of things we've talked about in the past. I don't think she really understood this, but you know, at a young age, 11, 12, going to a form synagogue, I got extremely frustrated, quite frankly, angry because nobody, no grown-ups could answer simple questions like, how do we know if there's a God? How do we know the story about Abraham is true? How do we know this is true? Nobody could answer the questions. And I got so frustrated. And my father got frustrated because he knew I had zero engagement in the Sunday school. So he said, look, I'm driving you probably an hour and a half round way. It's disruptive to my Sunday. If you don't want to go, I don't want to drive you. And I said, that would be fantastic. But On my 13th birthday, I remember thinking about my friends having their bar mitzvahs. And what I concluded at that young age was that the reason the grown-ups can't answer my questions is because there are no answers to my questions. There's no God. There's no such thing as a Jew. And that was, I was telling my daughter this, that was my trajectory throughout my life. Even shortly after my wife and I got married and she told me she was interested in exploring Judaism, which threw me off because... My first two items on my checklist for a wife were not Jewish and an atheist. And here she is wanting to explore Judaism. I told her it was all made up. It's a waste of time. Don't bother. She wanted to pursue this. I said, that's your deal. I want nothing to do with it. But what changed 
is when she came into the world, because when I was holding her as an infant, I remember thinking that I wanted this world to offer more to her than just finding a profession to make a living, you know, so you can enjoy the comforts and the pleasures of this world until you eventually die. I just, I demanded more from this world for her. And it caused me to start asking questions once again. And I tore the story that I've shared with you before about how, you know, I simply asked, I said out loud, if there's a guide, tell me how to know you exist. And within a week or two, I'm sitting here reading a book that provided me my answers. And it was a book on quantum mechanics written by Stephen Hawking, who's an atheist. But within his book, he was explaining the framework for how they determined and discovered subatomic particles that they could not detect with the sensory perception. And there lied my framework for learning and discovering that there is, in fact, this infinite internal creator. And that led to me investigating the logical proofs for Torah. And I told her that I didn't have rabbis to talk to. Every rabbi ever known lied to me. I didn't know these rabbis were here. So I just would sit and learn and talk to Hashem. And I told her that one of my earliest questions was, why did you not inspire me to ask those questions a long time ago? I would know so much more Torah. I would know how to live as a Jew. I would not have sinned so much. Why? Why now? When I'm 40, why didn't you do it a long time ago? And sure enough, the way that I figure things worked is text ends up in front of me with the answer to my question. And I learned about how when the Torah was given at Mount Sinai to the Jewish people, Hashem offered it to the other nations. They didn't want it, but there was people inside their nations that I guess when he looked into their heart, he could tell they wanted it. They wanted to serve him at that level. And so Hashem set things in motion to allow them to reincarnate, to give them their lifetime, to fulfill their true destiny. And then I realized that if Hashem had inspired me to ask those questions earlier, I would have not have married her mother because she wouldn't have been permitted to me. And if I had not married her mother, I would not have had her. She would not come into the world under my care. And I told her that's what motivated me, knowing that I had this very special mission to bring this little girl who Hashem orchestrated all these events for in my life and previous lives to bring her close to him, the closest anyone can be in his creation, a Jew that observes the Torah, higher than an angel. And I told her that there was times when I would get very down on myself. I mean, I would just get overwhelmed with there's so much to learn. And I would tell Hashem, I can't do this. There's so much that I have to change. Not only learn, but change about myself. I've been living away for 40 years, and you're asking me to change the way I think, the way I talk, the entire way in which I live my life. And I would say, I can't do this, but I would always remember that sacred tax, how much you wanted my daughter. And I told her that in those moments when I would give up on myself, I would get resolved in the fact that I knew I was not going to give up on her. And I told her how that motivation to learn and grow, to lead her in this path of becoming a Torah observant Jew, it changed a few years ago because she's been so courageous with this whole process, insisting that she not have our interference in working with the best din, the toughest base din in the country. From everyone I've talked to, they're very tough, and they're very tough on her, much tougher on her than they were my wife or, or me, just because at her age, they wanted to make sure her conviction was there. 
And she took it all on and she learned that every day there's another book arriving from Art Scroll. And, and the way she's been working on her Midot, I mean, it's just amazing. And I told her that my that she still motivates me, but not so I can lead her. But now I just want to keep learning toward improving myself to keep up with her. And so I shared all this with her and then sort of brought it all back to the fact that what all that matters now, all that matters is for one, for you to remember what I told you about all the lifetimes and time and all the events you had to orchestrate in my life and your mother's life in order to bring you to this moment. That's how much she loves you. That's such an insane amount of immense love. And now that you know that and contemplate that, know that all your life is about is the following. And that is, as we learn Tor and we learn the mitzvos and the tens of thousands of laka that branch out from those mitzvos, they begin to intertwine the very fabric of our existence. And what it does through all the complexity is it brings simplicity. It creates every situation, turns every moment into a binary decision, a binary decision that brings an opportunity to choose Hashem and choose to reciprocate back to him the immense love that he has for you. Now, Here's what happens next. The very next morning, and you can see, like, this is so perfect. That was what was on my mind. I was on such a high, you know, sharing that with her, sharing my experience of Hashem orchestrating everything in our lives so perfectly. And before I get to what happened the next morning, I want to back up a little bit. Back over Pesach, and really longer than that, I have really been struggling, I mean, quite frankly, with, with my career. I love the organization where I'm with. I love the people there. Quite frankly, I'm very close to the CEO and the president, but you know, I was praying a lot. Do I stay here? Should I move on? And I'm not going to get into all the reasons why I was really thinking that I should move on, but I, I don't know if I should leave them right now because the company is struggling. You have an inverted yield curve, which is making it very difficult for asset managers to hold on to assets when you got money markets paying 4 or 5%. So you have assets just sucking out of the fixed income space in the investment management world, going to T-bills and money market. And meanwhile, I had expanded the entire organization and assets are declining. So it was, it was a stressful environment. And I said, look, I don't want to lead them at the wrong time. So the way I look at it is what I told Hashem is, you put me with these, this, this organization, these people, I'm going to work. I'm going to work for them. You show me if you want me to move on. You know the reasons I want to, I think I should move on. I'm going to work for it and serve who you want me to, but you just got to make it clear. You got to show me very clear sign. I'm dense. Make it abundantly clear to me. Let me know what you want me to do. Okay. So now it's Tuesday morning after my daughter's conversion. I have a call with the CEO and president and they tell me that, you know, they've been had to make these decisions. We've been talking about this potential reorganization, which means layoffs and we haven't approached it. I was very busy doing a lot of things. And they, I said, yes, I know. We've been delaying that. And they said, well, we made some decisions. And I said, okay. And they said, we're letting go of two of the sales guys. And we're letting go of you. And I, I was such in that frame of mind, though, too. But when they said that, I, was, I thought about it for a second. I said, actually, that makes sense. Based off where the organization is, that reorg makes sense. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we're... <laughs> I think taking it back because they were like, just, I'm sure, I, I know, just full of fear. I mean, they told me they were just so stressed last week. This is like just a painful decision, painful situation to be in as an organization. And I said, guys, don't worry. It's all good. It's all going to work out. And I was talking to my rabbi, Rabbi Lazinga. I know you might think, Dan, how many rabbis do you have? Rabbi Lazinga is my 
Rob, everyone needs one rabbi, for those of you who are new to your learning, when it comes to halakhic matters, because a lot of decisions, there's different opinions in, in many of them, and you have to follow that one rabbi that in those matters, you will submit your will to them and say, how do you follow in this area? And that's the way I'll go. And he's amazing. He's an incredible Torah scholar. He's the sweetest person in the world. His whole family has been just so important to my family. My wife studies with his wife. His wife has been teaching my daughter and continues to teach her. I mean, they're just, they've been so supportive of us from day one when we got to this community. And we're very fortunate to have them in our life. And the next day, he, you know, after I got the news and I shared with my wife, you know, and my wife's initial reaction was like, what are we going to do? And I was like, you know, that idea of Omuna and Bidachon that we're always talking about, now we're going to get to do it. And she spoke to her friend and consulted with her, uh, Rebbe Lazinga, and that's what led to Rabbi Lazinga calling me up and saying, this is such, I can't believe this happened to you that after last night was such a high. And I said, it's perfect. It's perfect because it was on the, it was on the front of my mind, these ideas. And as I was, I was telling my daughter last night about how Hashem's orchestrating everything in my life, when they presented that news to me, that's all I saw was like, okay, it's time to move on. Hashem is making it very clear. And there's more to this story too I want to share because, because I had that mindset, thank God. And that's why Hashem orchestrated that way to put me in the best position, the best frame of mind. But I, I knew it was really hard on the CEO. And I called him back up because I knew he had to go catch a flight to Japan to see his in-laws and told him like, man, it's totally cool. I don't want you to worry about anything. And he said, it was like the, told me, it's like, it was the hardest decision, the worst decision he ever had to make. And it was a very, you know, sort of emotional conversation. And I thought I should call some of the other guys too. So I reached out to the CFO, which I know I've had to be on the other side of letting people go, <laughs> never because of a downsizing, but just because of other reasons, performance, they did something wrong that sort of left us with no choice. You know, always those moments would get him distraught. And so I called him up and I reached out to him. I said, hey, listen, I just want to let you know it's a joy to work with you. And I totally agree with the reorg decision you made. And he told me again, I, I was so stressed out. I haven't slept in a week. And I said, well, you sleep fine tonight. But then he went on to tell me everything I did for the organization that he appreciates so much. Being a systems guy, he really appreciated how when I came into this additional new role of overseeing and building out the sales and marketing department, that there was... No organization, there was no structure, there's no systems, no marketing docs, no nothing. And he goes, you built out, like it, everything operates like an organization now with everything you did, and I appreciate that. That led me to want to talk to the other people at the organization. And what I would do is I would call them up and tell them, look, this reorg makes sense, it's positioning you guys now to work your way out of this rut. And it was a good call. And I wanted them to feel good about it. I wanted them to feel good about the decision, and I also wanted to convey to them some of their amazing qualities that's going to allow them to continue to have success with their career. But during these conversations, the most amazing thing happened is they everyone was sharing with me how I had this amazing impact on their life, and the storylines were all very similar that when they were struggling, I took the time to help them, to train them. I encouraged them. You know, one of the sales guys really struggled with the complexities of the option overlay strategy. And he said, like, 
you stuck with me when I said that this is too complex for me and you worked with me and you kept saying, you got this, you can do this. You know, the, the gentleman I hired over the practice management arm to take over the portfolio design consultation, you know, he said, like, you taught me everything. You pushed me to, to do this and take over those calls because he wanted to be silent on, the, on those calls for the longest time. But I kept pushing him and teaching him and how to look beyond the numbers at the cause and effect and how to understand an investment process and so that you would know how it will perform in different market cycles he was just, he was very appreciative that took the time and I believed him. And that's what I just kept hearing over and over again from other people too. Like you believed in me, you promoted me, you always encouraged me. I'm telling you guys, when I heard that from people, it made me realize that at the end of our life, when it comes to our interactions with others, what really matters is, did we build up the people around us that we come into contact with? Because so much we get locked up in our own ego and our own lack and what we're missing and what we need to do. But seeing how all those moments where I encouraged people and, and brought out the best in them and believed in them when they didn't believe in themselves, I realized that that's all that matters. And going forward, I'm going to pursue every opportunity that I can to find those moments with the people that come into my life. That was my day, a day that could have normally by default been a horrible day. Someone loses their job, typically not a good day. But because I had, I knew my story up to that point, I was able to see my story, see Hashem's guidance in that moment. And that's why I think this whole idea is, is, is something that's so necessary for us. One thing I wanted to share too is I, I reached out to this two salesmen that I just I just recently hired one just like six months ago and checked in. I've checked in on them several times since. And I told them that like everything happens for a reason. This is going to work out great. You're a solid salesperson. You're going to land on your feet. You're highly skilled. And he said, and one of them said, hey, I know everyone says everything happens for the, a reason. And I know you believe in God, Dan, but quite frankly, if there was a guy that was really orchestrating everything for the best then why would babies get cancer? That's what he said to me. And of course, I'm thinking like, okay, I don't think he's really wanting me to answer that because first it would entail me studying a book on, by Ram Call on, on how and why Hashem built the system and brings souls into the world and why it's for and what's the ultimate outcome of the whole creation that he built. Like, obviously I didn't have time to do that. He didn't really want me to go through that. But it just made me appreciate we should all appreciate that we have torah i mean the fact that like i'm looking around at my library and i realize like okay i need to maybe now that i got more time for study incorporate some more text into my daily study i have this amazing book called base halevi on, on bitachon and it's so incredible like the first thing i was struggling with was my role my role in finding a new career opportunity versus Torah study. How should I break up my day now? And I was getting concerned that maybe I was doing too much or maybe not enough. And in this book, he discusses this idea. And you know, he discusses the first category, which is Yosef, how he got was sent back to prison because he asked the cupbearer to put in a good word for him. And I'm thinking, well, should I reach out to recruiters? <laughs> what should I do here? And he goes on to explain, like, that's Yosef, okay? That's his level. For the rest of us guys, 
even on someone this, on this rabbi's level is a great tzaddik. It's like we reach out. If the cupbearer comes and, and we, create, we, we pursue that opportunity and ask them for their help. So it brought me so much clarity there, so much clarity on how to rechannel the fear of uncertainty, which why Hashem created that is so we could rechannel it and connect to him because really all that's happening is, is he wants to bestow a gift and create situations of uncertainty so that we will use it to strengthen our bitachon and turn to him and say, I'm totally relying on you. That's all he wants in this situation. That's what I want to give him. So to wrap up, guys, one, be thankful that you're a Jew. I mean, I just can't imagine the rest of the world when they go through situations. It, it just must be overwhelming. And two, know your story. Think about it. Think about everything Hashem has done up to this point in your life so that in future moments, they'll be right there with you. If we do that, the more we'll see Hashem in every moment. And by the way, if you know of anyone in the investment management industry who needs someone with a pretty diverse set of skills and everything that it's under the umbrella of business development, please have them reach out to me at president at torchweb.org. Thank you for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.